WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Keston Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It's Tuesday, May 2nd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Showers early, then a cloudy afternoon, high 56. Tonight, Overnight, those clouds hang around low 46. And then tomorrow, yeah, more clouds, high 55. If you're walking out the door with us right now, it's 49 and cloudy in Port Chester up in Westchester, 46 and cloudy in Mount Laurel in New Jersey. And it's 49 and cloudy here in Midtown. Last night, the Devils uh, Rangers game seven, something everybody waits for. I got to be honest with you. You cannot make me really care too much about hockey, but I do love a game seven. Doesn't matter what sport it is. I will sit down to watch. So I did. I sat down to watch the first period and then I said, you know, I got to go to bed. So I went upstairs and I'm like, I don't really care. In the end, ultimately, I just want to know who wins, but I got into bed and my neighbors are just diehard, crazy devil fans. Like, you know, they had the flag out. You know, those are the people who change those flags for every holiday. I find it a little annoying. But anyway, they hung up the uh, devil's flag over the last couple of days, I guess maybe a week or so. And um, it was so loud from their house. I mean, our houses are not attached. There's a separation between them that I knew the devils had won without watching the game because Every time they scored, I think the final score was four zip. Is that right? Every time they scored, uh, it was so loud that it, I was just, I was woken by them. And then, of course, when the game ended, there was a whole nother party going on. Normally they're, they're fine neighbors. And I don't blame them. You know, hey, big game seven, beating the Rangers, of course, Crosstown rivals, big deal. But, um, it was, I had to kind of laugh to myself as I was lying in bed that I did not need to look at my phone to see who had won the game because, uh, well, I think it was 4 nothing. Four times I was woken up by the scores of the Devils beating the Rangers. The Devils move on. Unfortunately for the Rangers, not so good. Uh, I'm sure you hear more about that as the morning wears on on Sit and Friends in the morning. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. A former Westchester lawmaker has a lot of explaining to do. A crazy dust storm leads to a huge chain reaction accident. Does anybody pay their water bill anymore here in the city? An ambulance ride to the hospital pretty pricey now. And a soft rock hit maker from the 1970s has passed away. All right, let's get into it. 503 will go up to Westchester County. A former Westchester County legislator and Terrytown resident's been charged with attempting to entice a minor. Let's get the latest on that now from 77 WABC's Alex Barnard, who joins us live. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noam. And yes, that's right. Anand Singh, a former staffer for the Board of Legislators, was arrested Monday and charged with the felony count. Singh is currently in custody pending a bail hearing Wednesday. This all started last month when Catherine Borgia, the former chair of the Board of Legislators, fired Singh after a video posted by a vigilante group called OBL Global was on was posted on YouTube purportedly showing Singh arranging a sexual encounter with a decoy posing as a 14-year-old girl. The video included recorded phone conversations between the decoy and Singh. Just a warning for anyone listening, this might disturb you. Are you going to what are you going to bring tomorrow? 
Oh, um, like you're asking what I'm bringing tomorrow? Yeah. Um, I can bring some toys. Um, you know, the plan B. It's not known exactly when Singh and the, and the decoys started talking, but we do know from documents given to the FBI by OBL Global that last December, Singh actually went to Newark and tried to meet up at the home of this girl for sex. However, as he tried to enter the home, a member of OBL confronted Singh and he fled. The scandal has had rippling effects on the Westchester County Board of Legislators, with Borgia resigning on Friday after facing criticism for failing to act quickly enough on this case. Westchester County Executive George Latimer remained relatively tight-lipped regarding Singh. This has obviously been an issue that's been uh, very prominent in uh, some of the media coverage of what's been happening uh, at the Board of Legislators, and so now uh, we are all staying, uh, staying tuned. If convicted, Singh faces a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years behind bars with a maximum penalty of life in prison. So was this a YouTuber who was sort of doing their own version of To Catch a Predator? Is that who set him up? Essentially, yes. This is one of these gr- I guess there's a lot of them on, on YouTube and TikTok, um, but this is sort of a one of these groups that does sting operations in partnership with a another group that, for, like, plays de- as decoys in and, these chat rooms. And Singh is state silent, I assume, hasn't said a whole lot. No, no. He, yeah, he has not made any comment. All right. WABC's Alex Barnard, thank you very much. I had a bizarre moment. Do you remember that show, To Catch a Predator? It was kind of creepy. The first season of that show, my middle school teacher was busted on that show. It's uh, a story for another time, but yeah, creepy moment. 506, let's go out to Long Island. A pickup truck involved in a crash with a school bus. This was outside Meadowbrook School, East Meadow, yesterday afternoon. Three children, uh, there were children rather, on board the bus. The time of the crash took place about 4 o'clock. Ten kids taken to the hospital. Thankfully, we're being told the injuries are not serious. Here's one of the kids who was on the bus. When the car hit the bus, I went up. It was like kids screaming, crying because they wanted their parents and their sisters and their brothers. Pretty scary. Not for me, but for my friends. I didn't want them to get hurt. The driver of the pickup truck had to be extricated from the vehicle. It's not clear what led to the crash, but police are saying speed and distracted driving were being eyed as possible causes on the part of the pickup truck uh, driver. They do not believe alcohol played any role so far. No charges have been filed against either the bus driver or that pickup dri- uh, truck driver. WABC News Time 509. Let's go out to Illinois. Crazy scene there. 30 people injured, six dead. After a chain reaction number of crashes, uh, it was all because of a dust storm. Downstate Illinois, 30 commercial vehicles, 40 to 60 cars involved in this crash. This was about 11 o'clock yesterday. It was a true sort of dust bowl dust storm. People could not see what was going on. This was a two-mile stretch. Uh, People were sending videos from their phones uh, trying to figure out exactly what happened. This is bananas! It's still pretty bad right now when it comes to just uh, wow. still bad. It was a doozy day. It's still going. When I drove into it, it was light at first, and then it just became a, 
a pretty much a gray out. Yeah, lots of people saying they just couldn't figure out what it was. People who are not from the area, the injuries arranged from minor to death. Those hurt from two to 80 years old. Two semi-trailers caught fire. There are also reports of some sort of explosion. The lobe visibility due to blowing freshly plowed field soil. Here's the police describing what took place. This is a difficult scene, something that is very hard to train for. This is not uncommon. Once the farmers have turned the field, the topsoil, the dirt that's on top there is loose. It's extremely dry. And due to the excessive winds in the area, will blow across certain roadways at this point in time. Yeah, the conditions were just perfect, unfortunately, for those people involved in that dust storm accident. 5-11, let's go out to Oklahoma. Seven people have been found dead in Oklahoma in connection to the search for two missing teenagers. The local sheriff confirming the news. Uh, this one's pretty bad. The officials say the bodies of 14-year-old Ivy Webster, 16-year-old Brittany Brewer, discovered at a property on Monday, along with five others that have not been identified. Investigators believe the teens were with 39-year-old Jesse McFadden, a convicted sex offender, along with his wife and his stepdaughter. Uh, and please, you know, still be respectful. Uh, they have a lot of grieving. Authorities searching this Aurora, Oklahoma property for the two missing teenagers when they discovered the bodies of seven people Monday, including the suspected remains of the teens and a convicted sex offender who was sought along with them. He says the bodies were believed to be those of the 14-year-old and the 16-year-old along with that felon. Uh, there's still more details coming on about this story. And, of course, as they come into us, we will pass them on to you. Down to another just uh, awful story. This one, East Texas, you've been following along. The gunman who shot and killed five of his East Texas neighbors on Friday is in the country illegally. Francisco Oropesa was previously deported and has multiple illegal reentries into this country on his record. They haven't found him yet. There's very bad people coming in into our country, and those are the individuals that we're worried about. That's former Texas Congresswoman Mayora Flores. She says this is why her fellow Republicans have been pushing so hard to secure the border. Hundreds of cops now involved in this search for Oropesa, who vanished after this weekend's violent rampage north of Houston. He was shooting off a gun on his front property Friday, and his neighbors asked him what he was doing. And then he went across the street and shot all five of them, including an eight-year-old. It truly is inhumane what's happening here at our border. Yeah, uh, the, the search continues today. So far, they haven't been able to find this murderer. They don't want the American people to know this is happening right now in yeah. our country. Yes, yeah, so the floor is blaming some of this on the Biden administration and the poorest border, the poorest U.S. southern border. 513. Out to Sudan, the State Department says new convoys to Sudan depend on the latest assessments, trying to make sure everything's safe as they try to get Americans who are in Sudan out. We have safely facilitated the departure of approximately uh, 1,000 American citizens from Sudan. This, of course, has been through a variety of modalities, whether it be uh, our convoys, convoys for multilateral and international organizations. So the thought is there's fewer than 5,000 American citizens in Sudan for a while the State Department has warned, been warning Americans not to go there, saying it's unsafe. There's a battle going on between a paramilitary group and the government. It's gotten awfully ugly. At least one American has been killed amid that fighting. But the American government says they are going to try to get those Americans who are living there 
out. A lot have left on their own driving, as we heard uh, from WABC Zone's Alex Barnard, one of his cousins, driving his way out of the country just to get out of there. Currently, we don't have any uh, immediate uh, convoys planned, but uh, this will largely depend, as I said, on the security situation as well as uh, the, the desire from any remaining uh, American citizens to, to safely depart Sudan. 514 over to France. Protests erupting once again over the plan to push back the retirement age in France. The chief correspondent, Richard Engel, has been there covering the protests. They've been mostly peaceful this time so far. The atmosphere is festive, although there have been some clashes. There have been some incidents of violence, some smashed windows, uh, according to police. Thousands of workers gathering on the streets in Paris in a huge May Day protest yesterday. It is over the president's plan to increase the retirement age from 62 to 64. Macron, the French president, says the age has to be pushed back to make sure that the pensions fund there is solvent so people can pull money out of it. More than 180 people have been arrested across the country. That There were three uh, cities that saw violent clashes. Yeah, so, so far, apparently, they're not as bad as they were when they initially announced this uh, about a month ago. You still see people sitting around in cafes, having wine, having beers, bringing their families out with them. So it is not that the city is burning. 515, now let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Say happy Tuesday. Good morning. Uh, good morning. I was about to call you Ella Justin. What's up? <laughs> I was going to change your name around. Why would you do that? I don't know. Just yeah. because, you know, the brain sometimes just doesn't fire. All right. Well, so let me try it again. Okay. All right. Yep. 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk and Justin Ellick. Wrong. There we go. Wrong. Wrong. Oh, is that wrong? No, that was actually correct. Okay. Nice job. Don't anyway. worry. He's familiar with the brain thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, we start with some really depressing news. It's all she wrote for your New York Rangers after all the expectations this season. They're unable to get out of the first round of the playoffs, losing last night's Game 7 against the Devils in Newark by a lopsided score of 4 to nothing. From the opening puck drop last night, there was virtually no reason for hope from a Rangers fan's perspective as the Blue Shirts got worked up and down the ice by a straight-up better hockey team all night long. If it weren't for goaltender Igor Shosturkin's 23 big saves, this eliminating loss for New York could have been much more embarrassing. It's no secret that New York put a lot of eggs in the basket for this season and still come, came up way short. Head coach Gerard Gallant spoke after the game on if the talent on paper for the Rangers went to waste. When you look at the talent that you have in your room, does it just intensify? Well, talent doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> it's great to have talent, but uh, when you got to play together and work hard together, and obviously the, the four games that we lost, we had two goals. So that was that's the bottom line. You know, like I said, I love to have talent, but you love to have a work ethic and, and more forecheck and stuff like that, and we just didn't get it done. As for the Devils, they deservedly move on with the help of goals from McLeod, Tatar, Halla, and Bratt with the empty netter. The Carolina Hurricanes await New Jersey in the second round. Set to get underway tomorrow night in rally. Now to the Diamond, where you the know, Yankees. Yes. There's, there's probably a sizable amount of our audience who's really happy that the Devils won. I know you started off by saying it's very depressing, but I, there might be an equal amount of people who are just really unbelievably happy uh-huh. this morning that they yeah. won. Yeah. I'm not you, Gnome. I, I don't have to necessarily be like like a straight line, straight <laughs> right, forward, okay. you know? 
I, I can show a little bit of emotion here. All right. All that's right. true. I, I don't have to be a robot. I just wanted to point out there's people who are very excited okay. about Well, happy, one. happy days. Happy days <laughs> for Devils fans. There you go. Woo-hoo! All right. Good try, Noam. Yeah. Try, do that at 545. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Now to the diamond. More depressing news on the diamond. Here we go. <laughs> the Yankees, they continue to plummet without their stars, losing 3-2 to two at home to the Cleveland Guardians. You know, and, there's yeah. probably a sizable Yay, audience. Yeah, yeah, Cleveland. Go Guardians. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yanks lose 3-2 to two at home to the Cleveland Guardians. Game one of their three-game set. The loss makes four straight to the Bombers. And then they're now flirting with going under 500 and sinking deeper into last place in the eight. At least now eight and a half games back. We'll try and make sure that doesn't happen tonight in the middle game with Cleveland. Set for 7.05 p.m. at the stadium. The stopper and the ace, Sidney Garrett Cole, will take the hill. Going up against Cleveland's tenor, Bibby. As for the Mets, they split their doubleheader with the rival Atlanta Braves yesterday, losing the first game 9-8 before getting their vengeance in game two with a 5-3 victory. They're in a much more comfortable spot than the Yanks after the first month of the season. Just three games back for the Braves for first place in the NL East, I should say. They'll try and chip it uh, into that deficit a bit more starting tonight in Detroit against the Tigers. First pitch in the opener of a three-game set scheduled for 640. Joey Lucchesi getting the ball going up against Detroit's Michael Lorenzen. And tonight, game two, Heat and Knicks at the Garden. 7.30 p.m. tip-off. Miami currently up in the series. One game to none. Here was sports on 77 WABC and very depressing news. I'm just WABC News Time 521. We're having so many issues with shortages in so many industries. Teachers, of course, a huge one. There's so many retiring, so many did during the pandemic. There, are, Every school system in this nation is having a hard time attracting teachers. Now the same goes for nurses. And a new survey finds one-third of U.S. nurses are now considering quitting their jobs. That's according to a new survey of more than eight. 18,000 nurses by AMN Healthcare Services Incorporated. It revealed 30% of them are looking to leave the profession after the pandemic left them overwhelmed and burnt out. The survey also found that 69% of nurses want higher salaries and 63% want safer, less stressful work environments. I'm Mark Mayfield. By the way, a lot of this is just the population's getting older, right? The boomer generation and even the generation below that getting ready to retire. That's the vast number of Americans right now, so it's just going to be hard to replace a lot of those gigs. Let's go down to uh, Texas, where they're trying to ban transgender athletes from competing on girls' collegiate sports teams. Not only do the physical advantages of a biological male create unfair competition, it also can and has but the safety of women at risk. State Representative Valerie Swanson there says she has a bill that does not ban transgender athletes from playing sports. They can still compete on the team that correlates to their gender at birth. But there are concerns the state will face lawsuits and loss of federal funding if they pass a transgender college athletes bill. Just this past October, a biological male competing on the girls high school volleyball team spiked a volleyball so hard that it knocked Peyton McNabb out. Young women are watching their records get broken and scholarships awarded, not to other women, but to biological men. Let's stay down in Texas. Part of the Republican sweeping crackdown on illegal immigration includes the restart of that border wall construction. Uh, This is in South Texas. Congressman Tony Gonzalez says this is a key piece of the strategy to stop the smugglers from crossing the border. It's pretty clear the areas that don't have any infrastructure are the areas that are getting hit the hardest. The uh, congressman says the wall just part of a larger package that includes technology along the southern border. Every border expert I've spoken with 
it talks about a border system which includes a wall. The wall can be defeated, and sometimes that happens, but what it does is it funnels the illegal activity. 523, let's bring it back here into the city. Does anybody pay their water bill anymore? New York City officials threatening to shut the water off to certain buildings that owe a lot of money on their water bills. Mayor Adams says there's a total of $800 million in unpaid water bills, which officials say is due to people struggling during the pandemic, but also because some people just simply refuse to pay that water bill. We cannot allow mega builders in particular and mega mansions who fail to pay their water bills anymore. Yeah, what's going on? Officials say they're going to start putting shutoff notices on buildings that owe more than $100,000 and that have private property values. I don't know about you, but i pay my water bill. And if I didn't, guess what? They'd probably shut off my water before I got to $100,000. Mayor Adams offering to waive interest on water bills that are paid through an amnesty program that is now being extended through the end of May. Some people were struggling during the pandemic, and that's why we did the amnesty program. We also know that there are some people who are just making a business decision that they don't think DEP will ever follow up. Yeah, those are the people you would think they'd go after. Look, I understand people are struggling, but the guy who owns a building, pay your water bill. I mean, we are not getting around here uh, because if we don't do this, Our bond rating is at risk, and that'll drive up our interest rates. That means water bills go up for everybody. Our ability to invest and maintain in the system will decline. 525, not all New Yorkers can get behind the NYPD's request for them to put air tags in their cars as vehicle thefts skyrocket. We told you about this story yesterday. The mayor, the NYPD, telling people specifically who own Kia's and Hyundai's to put one of these air tags in their car so there was a chance they might get it back if it gets stolen. Those are the two big cars that have been stolen in big numbers over the last year. 966 of them pulled off city streets just since January. But um, New Yorkers, well, they're not so sure they want to put the air tags in their cars. The air tag, um, I don't know if I would do it because it would be noticeable. You know, people are screwed up. They're going to probably take it and you get some guy who's like uh, stalking his ex-girlfriend and put on her car. It never works out good. I don't know. It's kind of creepy. And, you know, it's just a very easy way to, like, track people. Well, it's definitely been used to track people. There's a story after story where people have put an air tag in an ex-girlfriend's pocketbook or something like that and followed them around. But they say this is different. The air tag would, of course, alert you if the car was moving. And then the NYPD says, uh, PD says if you can get the information to them quick enough, they might be able to get the car back before it makes it to the salvage yard, because that's usually where it goes and they get it for parts. I don't see how it wouldn't help, but I definitely think it's a good thing. It might not prevent the car from getting stolen, but it might help you find it. I would try it. If it's free, it it keeps my car from getting stolen. The officials have been blaming the NYPD tube, TikTok, for the spike in Hyundai and Kia thefts across the nation with some influencers on that social media platform teaching users about a manufacturer's defect that starts the car without a key. I actually watched this video. I probably shouldn't give you the details because you can go find it yourself. But it is incredibly easy to rip off these cars. We create thugs, teaching them how to do things and get away with things. Well, there's... TikTok challenges about stealing plumbing in high schools, I found out. And I was just like, 
I mean, steal it. Like, I wouldn't even think to go into a bathroom and steal plumbing. Yeah, it is amazing what you can find on TikTok. Just getting started on this Tuesday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. Nine people stuck in an elevator in New Brunswick. And they called into a local morning show to help them get rescued. We'll get to that story. Hundreds of laborers uh, celebrating May Day down in Washington Square Park. And a cell phone video capturing some of the cleanup yesterday and after those heavy-duty rains. And a soft rock hit maker from the 70s has passed away. We'll get to that and more, but first this at 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It's Tuesday, May 2nd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Showers early, then a cloudy afternoon, high 56. Tonight, overnight, those clouds hang around, low 46. And then Wednesday, yeah, clouds again, high 55. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 49 in cloudy up in Port Chester, Westchester. 46 in cloudy. Cloudy down in Mount Laurel in South Jersey, and it's 49 and cloudy here in Midtown. We'll start with the cost of an ambulance ride. Those who need to call an ambulance in the city expect to receive a much bigger bill now. Yesterday, they raised the price of an ambulance ride. Now, if you have insurance, sometimes it covers the whole thing, sometimes just part of it. But it used to be, before May 1st, it was $900, which seems like a lot of money to me for an ambulance ride. Now, that same ride will cost you 1400 bucks. And then on top of that, by the way, you get the per mile charge, which increased from 15 bucks to 20 bucks. So you're talking about something that could be, you know, $1,700, $2,000, depending on how far you're away from the hospital. Now, when you get that ride, you'll get the best paramedics in the world, of course, from the FDNY. But uh, there's lots of people who are really worried about this. Oswald Dentist is one of them. He's a chaplain at Lincoln Hospital in the Bronx. And he says a lot of the people who show up there in an ambulance have no money to pay for the ambulance ride and uh, will have no way of paying this back. It's really, really too much. It's a surmountable bill for our um, underserved communities. I love the paramedics. But that surcharge is too much for our underserved communities. Last month, Dennis said his own mom actually had to use the help of the FDNY paramedics after a fall. He says uh, that while their aid was essential, they treated her extremely well. She says the cost of the increase is unfair. But he said his mom, in her case, she had insurance that covered the price. But for a lot of other people, that would not be the case. They'd be stuck with this bill. Here in the uh, South Bronx, we have many, many people that do not have insurance. How are they going to pay $900? How are they going to pay a 1000 and change? The FDNY says the rate increase based on the actual cost of providing EMS service, pointing to factors like higher fuel, of course, other increased paramedic costs. It also says increasing the rates saves taxpayers money and asks the insurance companies to pay more of their fair share. 
535, let's go down to D.C. President Biden promising us that all depositors of First Republic Bank are being protected following the bank's failure. These actions are going to make sure that the banking system is safe and sound, and that includes protecting small businesses across the country who need to make payroll for workers and their small businesses. He was speaking during a small business event at the White House. Biden says regulators have taken action to facilitate the sale of First Republic Bank. This was yesterday to J.P. Morgan Chase. He says taxpayers not on the hook. Regulators have taken action to facilitate the sale of First Republic Bank. While depositors are being protected, shareholders are losing their investments. And critically, taxpayers are not the ones that are on the hook. Let's go from the finances of the banks to the finances of our nation. President Biden saying the U.S. is not a deadbeat nation. Talking about the back and forth over the debt ceiling debate. We pay our bills and we should do so without reckless hostage taking from some of the mega Republicans in Congress. Yeah, so it's a back and forth, uh, this debt ceiling. Some of it makes your eyes roll to the back of your head, but you have this June 1st deadline that the Republicans and Democrats have to figure this out. Here's House Speaker Kevin McCarthy pushing back. He says he has a plan in place. He was in Israel uh, during a visit there where he was talking about this debt ceiling debate. The debt is a big challenge for America. We're going to have to come together to solve it. The only way you solve problems is you negotiate. And I'm looking forward to the president changing his mind and negotiating with us. Not only did we raise it, we believe we need to make America stronger, not just in our debt, but in our economy. WABC News Time 536. Let's bring it back here. Hundreds of laborers, advocates, and elected officials gathering lower Manhattan yesterday for an annual May Day rally in March, also known as Workers' Day. May 1st, uh, Workers' Day all over the world for that matter. Uh, here are some people who were in Washington Square Park who say they're not being treated well. This one group is a union of nannies. I didn't even know there was such thing as a union of nannies. They want to pay less than what we used to get before the pandemic. People that doesn't have insurance, we go to the free clinics. We, we use the free clinics and we pay out pocket. She says many domestic workers don't have health insurance, don't get unemployment benefits. I'm one of many uh, laid off workers in the media and tech industry. The unemployment rate should be much higher. Right now it's only $507 a week. Um, it's very low um, if you want to live in New York City. Being the right side of history and help workers because we make New York run around. Especially domestic workers, we are at home and then you can go to work and do and have your American dream. There was one good piece of news for those workers, especially the minimum wage ones. Uh, Governor Hochul announcing as part of her framework with this budget deal is she's going to raise the minimum wage here in the city. WABC News Time 540. We told you about this story. Yesterday, an NYPD detective succumbing to his injuries over the weekend, 33 years after he was shot in the head and wanted to give you more details about it. Detective Troy Patterson died on Saturday, 33 years after he was shot by three criminals trying to rob him. He spent the last three decades in a vegetative state, never fully woke up after the shooting. The 27-year-old, he was 27 at the time, was shot in the head on January 16th, 1990, while he was off-duty washing his car near his 
apartment. Uh, the people involved were found a long time ago and jailed. Troy Patterson Jr., his son, says that his father had moments where he seemed to respond to them when they would visit him in the center where he was being taken care of. He reacted on our voice, even my grandmother's voice, and um, he knew that we was there. That was tough. Uh, you know, five years old, a little kid, baby. You know, seeing your dad laid up, you know, in the hospital with tubes, stomach, nose, you know, everywhere, mouth. It was tough, but, you know, with the family that I got in NYPD, um, you know, we got through it. Yeah, the NYPD there the whole way through with them family dealing with this. But what a long time to have to your father in the hospital in a vegetative state. I mean, just god-awful for everybody, of course, involved, especially Troy Patterson Jr., who was five when his father was shot, 38 now. That's tough. You know, just wanted him to have a relationship with my daughters. I mean, any son would want that. Yeah, he'll get the full salute, of course, of the NYPD. 541, the COVID virus keeps changing. I know we don't talk about this thankfully so much anymore but it is interesting experts say there's something new to watch out for in this latest mutation it's nothing terrible by the way it's just one of those things that's kind of gross a uh, pink eye apparently is in this mu- new mutation uh, uh here's a doctor telling us about there's it. a report from a group in india where almost half the kids have pink eye yeah so infectious disease expert dr peter hotez of course, says no big deal. Pink eye, of course, a common part of many viruses like the common cold. It'll make you miserable for out a week. You'll look a little bit like a freak as well. But then, of course, it goes away. And yeah, okay. He says, I know lots of people don't want this, but he says uh, one way to protect yourself, of course, is the COVID booster. We do have the bivalent vaccine that helps kids. So um, it's also likely preventable as well. 542. There's still the cleanup going on uh, all over the tri-state from those wicked storms over the weekend. Of course, just misery um, coming with more rain, people cleaning up. You saw out in Bergen Beach, Brooklyn, where it does normally flood. There's sewage coming out of uh, people's showers, uh, coming out of the ground as sewers backed up there. In Queens, a massive tree falling over on the highway. Spent all day yesterday trying to clean that up. It was raining heavily. It was uh, heavy rain and uh, it was with along with the strong winds. So it, with that wind, it poured on. It was a busy road, but yesterday, because of the storm, stormy weather, it was empty that time. Yeah, that's the guys in Queens Village. Thankfully, that tree did not hit much. Stranded cars, flooded homes. Uh, in Woodside, homeowners uh, sharing video of more flooding there. They say some of it is the way the sewer system is in their neighborhood, and they're asking for help for the city. Oh, well, it's really terrible. Like, the water is, like, like up to my, uh, like, knee. The city has to do something about Without the city's help, we cannot we can't be helped. And again, uh, as you heard from Joe, rains in the forecast for the rest of this week. Let's go up to Yonkers. The grand opening of the Yonkers Day Laborer Center yesterday. The facility designed for men and women who previously would line up on Yonkers Avenue hoping for work from a contractor or homeowner to hire them for the day. I, I, if you have this in your neighborhood, you, you probably do. I have this in my neighborhood, like six, seven blocks away. I see this just lots of people waiting for someone to pull over and hire them for a day job. Well, now... The center in Yonkers will have the employers meet the employees inside the center. It'll be a little bit more legit. The community need a roofer 
So they don't go to the street to looking for anymore. They come to the center and ask them, oh, do you have a certified roofer? The labor center organized by Catholic Charities and was officially unveiled by Cardinal Timothy Dolan yesterday. The creation took about 10 years. Some of that was bureaucratic red tape, zoning issues, local regulations. And then, of course, the pandemic set everything back. But now it's open, so employers will be matched with employees, day laborers inside the center. We have uh, enrichment classes from English classes to guitar classes, nanny training, nail care. Um, We also have English conversation partnerships. The employees will know that there's a small army of advocates, politicians, social watt dogs that will hold these employers accountable. At the same time, by the way, they'll hold apparently these employees accountable, making sure everybody's legit and on the up and up. 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk and Justin Ellen. Well, thank you, Noam Layden, and we have humongous news for your New Jersey Devils fans. <laughs> they win game seven against the Yahoo! Rangers. <laughs> Yahoo! Four to nothing. The Devs, they do topple the Rangers in game seven last night. From the opening puck drop, there was virtually no reason for hope from a Rangers fan's perspective as the Blue Shirts, they got worked up and down the ice by a better hockey team all night long. And if it weren't for goaltender Igor Shosturkin's 23 big, big saves, this eliminating loss for New York could have been much more embarrassing. It's no secret that they put a lot of eggs in the basket for this season, especially the postseason, and still came up way short. Head coach Gerard Gallant spoke after the game on if the talent on paper for the Rangers went to waste. When you look at the talent that you have in your room, does it just intensify? Well, talent doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> it's great to have talent, but uh, when you got to play together and work hard together, and obviously the, the four games that we lost, we had two goals. So that was that's the bottom line. You know, Like I said, I love to have talent, but you love to have a work ethic and, and more forecheck and stuff like that, and we just didn't get it done. As for the Devils, they deservedly move on with the help of goals from McLeod, Tatar, Hala, and Brad had the empty netter. The Carolina Hurricanes await New Jersey in the second round, set to get underway tomorrow night in rally. Now to the Diamond, where the Yankees continue to plummet without their stars, losing 3-2 to at home to the Cleveland Guardians in Game 1 of a three-game set. The loss makes four straight for the Bombers, now flirting with going under 500 and sinking deeper into last place in the ALEs. They'll try and make sure that doesn't happen tonight in the middle game with Cleveland, set for 7.05 p.m. at the stadium. The stopper and ace in Garrett Cole will take the hill, going up against Cleveland's Tanner Bibby. As for the Mets, they split their doubleheader with the rival Atlanta Braves yesterday, losing the first game 9-8 before getting their vengeance in Game 2 with a 5-3 victory. They're in a much more comfortable spot than the Yanks after the first month of the season, just three games back of the Braves for first place in the NL East. They'll try and chip away at that deficit a bit more, starting tonight in Detroit against the Tigers. First pitch in the opener of a three-game set, scheduled for 6.40 p.m. with Joey Lucchesi set to tow the slab against Detroit's Michael Lorenzen. And yes, indeed, tonight, Game 2 of your Heat and Knicks series at the Garden, 7.30 p.m. tip-off with Miami currently up 1-0 in the series. Here with sports on 77 WABC, I am Justin Ellick. Let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. Oh, by the way, before I do that, 8.05 this morning, sit-in friends in the morning, Mayor Adams, so you're going to want to stay tuned for that. A former Westchester County lawmaker, Terrytown resident, charged with attempting to entice a minor. It was one of these YouTubers who set up his own show. Remember that show, To Catch a Predator? NBC. 
Well, he has a YouTube version of that. There's a couple guys like this who do this. And uh, I guess he caught up this uh, former lawmaker, um, Anand Singh, in this uh, mess. Uh, Westchester County Executive George Latimer did not have much to say on this bust. This has obviously been an issue that's been uh, very prominent in uh, some of the media coverage of what's been happening uh, at the Board of Legislators. And so now uh, we are all staying, uh, staying tuned. Federal prosecutors arresting Anand Singh after he allegedly used a dating app to connect with someone who he believed was a 14-year-old girl. Officials say he planned to meet up with this teenager at an apartment building in Newark in New Jersey to have sex with her. But it ended up being one of these undercover YouTubers who busted the guy. Up to uh, Long Island, there was just this violent crash. Pickup truck, a school bus outside Meadowbrook School, East Meadow, about 4 o'clock yesterday. The bus was full at the time. Ted kids taken to the hospital. But the good news we can tell you this morning is none of those injuries seem to be serious. Who was, was a kid who was on board? When the car hit the bus, I went up. It was like kids screaming, crying because they wanted their parents and their sisters and their brothers. Pretty scary. Not for me, but for my friends. I didn't want them to get hurt. Driver of the pickup truck extricated from the vehicle. Not clear what led to the crash, but uh, police commissioner saying speed, distracted driving, being eyed as possible causes. So far, nobody has been charged in that crash. And um, speaking of crashes, there was just a crazy wild one. This is Interstate 55 in Illinois, a dust storm of sorts. Uh, when farmers started to plow their fields, and the winds were just right yesterday. Uh, it created this dust storm on busy downstate 55. 40, uh, 30 commercial vehicles, 40 to 60 cars involved in what was not one long chain, long reaction, but one of those just everybody crashing into everybody because they could not see. It was about 11 o'clock yesterday. Uh, six dead, 30 injured along a two-mile stretch. Uh, people who were stuck in their cars trying to figure out exactly what was going on, of course, took to their phones, sharing video. This is bananas! It's still pretty bad right now when it comes to just, uh, wow. still bad. It was a doozy day. It's still going. When I drove into it, it was light at first, and then it just became a, a pretty much a gray out. Those injured are uh, from two years old to 80 years old, two semi-trailers catching fire amid all this. There was reports of an explosion yesterday, and police say it was all due to low-blowing, uh, freshly plowed field soil. So it was, I guess, a big day for the farmers, but also a big day for wind. This is a difficult scene, something that is very hard to train for. This is not uncommon. Once the farmers have turned the field, the topsoil, the dirt that's on top there is loose. It's extremely dry. And due to the excessive winds in the area, will blow across certain roadways at this point in time. Yeah, it was a grim scene for police officers who found some of those people who were dead. Uh, they spent most of yesterday trying to clean up, pull those cars off the highway uh, in Illinois. 553, let's bring it back home, lighten it up just a little bit. Nine people rescued yesterday morning, stuck in an elevator. This is in New Brunswick. They uh, became, it was the Wellness Plaza Garage, right by the New Brunswick train station, about 640 in the morning. They get stuck in between the second and third floor. So they actually... They actually were trying to get their message out that they were stuck there, and they just weren't getting the response that they wanted. So they called into News 12. News 12 broadcast their story, and that's how they were able to get out. Here we are, stuck on the elevator, nine of us. 
There you go. Smile. <laughs> Down towards the first floor, and it made like a jump and a bang, and the thing stopped. The fire department said is that they do this all the time, but it's stuck between two floors, so they can't get to the door. So we have we elevator techs on their way. Yeah, and they had to wait for those elevator techs to arrive. So two hours, elevator techs. I mean, could have been a whole lot worse. So this woman was actually about to get on that elevator, and thankfully she did not. We pressed the button for the elevator, and nothing happened. And then a maintenance man and a firefighter were there and did something with the door. And I used to have an absolute fear of elevators when I was uh, first out of college. I would walk up and down 19 flights because I was so afraid of elevators. Yeah, okay, good thing she didn't get on. Out to Hollywood. Uh, the Hollywood writers now are officially ready to go on strike. That means the production of some shows like late night talk shows could go dark this week. The Writers Guild of America tweeted on Monday that the board of directors have voted unanimously to call a strike, which is effective as of Tuesday. That's when the WGA's current contract with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers expires. The AMPTP said that negotiations between it and the Writers Guild failed to come to an agreement. The Guild represents writers of film, TV, and streaming media, and the Alliance represents the studios. The strike comes as writers say they're not getting paid fairly amid the booming streaming era. The last time WGA members went on strike was in November of 2007. I'm Mark Mayfield. I wonder if those writers, if that affects my shows, uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey, is that scripted? Or how about Thousand Pound Sisters? Maybe not. Uh, speaking of Hollywood, Dick Van Dyke, uh, he's 97 years old, legendary comedian, will make his soap opera debut on Days of Our Lives. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Who, who knew the show was even on still, but apparently is. He revealed he was uh, asked uh, to be one on the show as one of the series, uh, working out with one of the series stars. So you'll get to see him very soon on uh, Days of Our Lives. And finally, Canadian folk rock icon Gordon Lightfoot, dying yesterday, 84 years old, at a Toronto hospital. Had a bunch of big hits. Would you call him soft rock or folk rock? I don't know. He sounds sort of like soft rock to me, but he was big in the 70s. This was one of his big hits. Do you remember this? If you could read my mind. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. He had a bunch of uh, Grammy nominations. Uh, let's see, four nominations. He got into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Uh, let's see, there's got to be another big hit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this was a really big one for him. Sundown, remember this? Eighteen weeks on the Billboard's Top 100 chart. That was when a song could really last on the Billboard charts. You know how you know where you are when you hear a song, right? It's like you can take you right back. I remember my father, you know, cranking this one on the radio. Yeah. Anyway, he's dead at uh, 84. Good life. Nice long life. Uh, lots of big hits for him. Sorry to see him go.